Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Podcorn. Now, if you guys haven't heard about Podcorn in the past, Podcorn is brought to you by the team that also brought you Famebit, which is a YouTube influencer marketplace that was acquired by Google and YouTube. Now they are leveraging their experience and offering the same benefits and same expertise for podcasters. Now, Podcorn is something that I personally use to find sponsors and brandship opportunities. And to give you a brief overview, it's a marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing sponsorship opportunities and brands that are out there. And with Podcorn, there is no middleman, which means podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. And the mission of the marketplace is to give podcasters transparency, greater freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So I highly recommend you guys check them out. If you're a podcaster or if you're a creator of any sort, click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. All right, guys, off to the show. Bonjour, friends. Today, we have another episode with the one and only Gabby Dunn. She is the host of a popular podcast called Bad With Money. She is an actress. She is an author of the book called Bad With Money. And we are going to talk about some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, you know, normally I would have a very centered, focused interview where I was going to talk to her a little bit about money. And the conversation shifted into all sorts of different fun places like polyamory, transgenderism, bisexuality, all of these things that Gabby uh, has experienced fully and is completely transparent about, which I really appreciate. Overall, she is an awesome, uh, full of burst personality, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about this conversation. So I hope you enjoy with this conversation uh, with Gabby and I. It was a long, longer one than we usually do, but um, for good reason. So I hope you enjoy and uh, look forward to your feedback. Gabby Dunn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for Swabby having shirt. me and for being patient. <laughs> I love that this is like a a show about whatever, being intelligent or, or something. And I was like so overslept. It's fine. No, definitely not about being intelligent. That's at least not on my side. So oh, you're, okay. you're, all, you're all good there. I did wear my dad's fanciest shirt for you. So <laughs> eventually I got there. I'm so honored. <laughs> Thank you. It's already going really well. 
Right, good start. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited to dig in. Um, obviously, one of the things I love about the work that you've done is just the breadth of topic. We, we just kind of mentioned this off air and how versatile of subjects you go into from money to uh, polygamy to bisexuality. Mm-hmm. It's, it really well, you know, poly, expands Well, polyamory. I don't want to get married to multiple people, but polyamory. Ah, <laughs> polygamy. Gotcha. See, the thing is, polygamy this is talking about intelligence. A, I don't even know what the differences are. <laughs> polygamy is like marrying two different people, which um, I think like is except more acceptable in like the Mormon faith, whereas like uh, I think might be illegal. <laughs> uh. It's kind gotcha. of, but like, gotcha. uh, but like more so polyamory is like just, uh, it's hard because it, you then you get into like what's legal and why isn't it legal to be married to more than one person and all this like other stuff that I think people in, in like monogamous relationship structures would be shocked by or whatever, but. Um, yeah. Is that because you're <laughs> against, like, you don't want to be married at I, all? Like that's not something you're thinking about? Um. It's a, it's, I do, but I also like, as a queer person, feel like sometimes there's a big emphasis on marriage that I'm like, well, I'm, I, that's a, it's okay. <laughs> like, I think I love, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm was stoked that marriage equality passed and like, I've ta- I've heard a lot of interviews with um the the AIDS act or one of the the gay activists uh Cleve Jones like an early gay activist and he's talked about how like marriage equality meant so much more than just like we can get married it it meant like getting your partner's pension and being able to see them in the hospital and um being able to have access to their things where like maybe their homophobic family before that would have like left you destitute and things like that. Um, but I'm also like, I'm also like, that's great that we like got what straight people already have. Like now let's tackle, yeah. tackle the things that are specific to our community, but that's a controversial take. You got, that's a, that's mm. a, yeah. Why is that controversial? I feel like, people in general whether they're straight or gay don't have strong feelings about marriage these days and a lot of people are postponing marriage just because a lot of women now are thriving uh (laughs) in their careers later into their into their careers you know probably not equal pay you know can go into that of course but it's certainly a lot of variables around why people don't want to get married yeah get married a little later on my favorite why was it controversial Ah, because I think like people, because it's such a basic thing that we like didn't have that like was like something that straight people had. And it was so like obviously unfair, like basically unfair. And then it feels like we don't then get into like the specific issues of the community. Like let's, let's get into like trans healthcare. Let's get into like, you know, like violence against like domestic violence against like queer women. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of this this thing that I'm like, "Ah, I think we have like other problems, but, um, that aren't related. I think it's easy for a community to sell the, like, I think it's easy for an oppressed minority to sell a majority on wanting what they want. And I think it's harder Mm. to sell them on, Hey, I know you don't need this or understand this, but we need this and you need to respect us. Does that make sense? It does. And it seems like same sex marriage is so like far 
like it's almost like it's such it's not even the benchmark i feel like it's just like a right and yeah, i would imagine you guys it's like oh yeah we should have had this like way 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 long ago yeah and let's move on to the things that we're still behind on yeah is that, is that your take on that yeah but i do i don't want to disparage the people who fought so hard for it and i think like you know, I, I I think it was a huge victory. And I think listening to people like Edie Windsor and, and Cleve Jones talk about it, it, like the elders, you know, who are like, no, you don't understand. You have it way better than we did. I I think it's like I the younger generation maybe doesn't listen to them enough. And I think like mm. we absolutely there's I think like there's sometimes a thing of well, what are these people doing now? We don't care because what they did in the past because what are they doing now? And it's like, let's, you don't know the what they went through. Like, you don't know, like, how good you are born into having it. So, like, I think, mm. I think there, I, sometimes I wonder about, like, if the younger generation is up to date on who fought for what, you know? But, or, like, yeah. we're taking things for granted, I think. Um, or just not even taking the thing for granted, but taking for granted the people who fought for the thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's common probably in a lot of other aspects, I guess, as well. I'm sure there are things that, uh, you and I have today that, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if it wasn't for, I mean, this is, you could go all the way back Uh, to Christopher Columbus, I guess, and all these other people, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Christopher Columbus should have stayed where he was in Spain. He should have stayed. He should have stayed where you Spain, are. Yeah. He should have stayed in Listen, Spain. Listen, I have nothing to do with Christopher Columbus. I, I'm staying out of this. Okay. He should have stayed in Spain where you are. Uh, uh, yeah, and also, um, I you know it's funny with marriage. I think like I, I was watching The Bachelorette last night, and people are like, my parents were together for. 45 years and I'm like well yeah for like 20 of those years like divorce wasn't a thing and then for like 20 more like for like 20 more of those years uh your your mom wasn't legally allowed to have a credit card so like mm. what Wait, were bachelor the, is the one where the there's multiple women going for one oh, man this was, or is this it was multiple the one, men going for one woman this was the this bachelorette so this is multiple men going for one women which you want to talk about polyamory I love that that show is like one of the most popular shows in America and I'm like that's what polyamory is. <laughs> you did it. Mm. But they're like, no, because she has to choose one at the end. And I'm like, okay, but imagine if she didn't. <laughs> that <laughs> so might... t- talk to me a little bit about that. How, how long have you, uh, are you in a polyamorous relationship right now? Oh boy. Uh, or have you been? I, oh, almost always. I mean, I've kind of known that about myself for a while, but um, yeah, my partner now is also poly. So that's great because a lot of times I'll date the monogamous person and then they'll be like, yeah, I could totally try it. And then they'll have a full meltdown, which like makes total sense. That's not you were not. This was not the structure you wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it's it's so, yeah, my partner's Polly. And then it's been great because like we both are. and We have but we have like different needs regarding it. But every relationship is different. I mean, in one relationship, we literally had like a Google Doc with the rules um, in other relationship, in like another relationship, it was a guy who would just be like, Hey, I'm going to go like meet up with someone. And I would be like, have fun. I, and, and he'd be like, do you want to come? And I'd be like, I really am cozy here. So see ya, which is like, cause I 
I think like there's a lot of I think there would would have been like arguing right of like like no I want to hang out with you and me being like I have work to do or whatever but like it was great to me to be able to be like I can't hang out like I have work and him being like all right well I'm gonna go like party and maybe meet someone and I'd be like have fun like (laughs) I like don't I, I think like it frees up a lot of time for me which maybe is not like it just feels like you don't have to be everything to every person and in my in my like history if someone's gonna leave you they're gonna leave you like if they're gonna if they're they're not gonna leave if they're gonna leave you for someone else or they're gonna leave you in general like they still left you so it it, if the relationship is solid and there's not like and there's like honesty and there's not like I don't really have a lot of jealousy, um, which is, I think, mm-hmm. maybe a, a gift and a curse in some ways, because I've had partners be like, well, I, I want you to, like, feel jealous. And I'm like, no, do what you want. <laughs> but um, but I think, like, and I think it's uneven sometimes, right? Where, like, I don't feel, I'm like, have fun, do whatever you want. My partner's like, well, I would be upset if you did this. And I'm like, Ugh, but I want to. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, it's hard to, I've had like one relationship where we both were just like not jealous and we were like, Godspeed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more talking and, and being honest than you would want to be. Like a lot of times you would just never have this conversation. Like you would just be like, whatever, I'm going to like text this person. I'm in a monogamous relationship. I flirt with my friend at work. Who cares? Whereas like, in a non-monogamous relationship, like something might happen with that friend at work. So you kind of have to be like, Hey, there's this person at work. They're like, I'm interested. In you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like mm. almost painfully honest. Cause like in another yeah. relationship, you would just be like, I don't have a crush on my friend at work. That would be crazy. You know, but like you're lying. <laughs> it, it is a lie. Right. right? It, it is. It is. I mean, but I think it's okay to feel attracted to someone, even if you're in a, monogamous relationship I know, but in some ways. People hate it. People hate it. <laughs> people hate it, but I feel like to repress those emotions mm-hmm. and not talk about it, to to deny the fact that you're attracted to other people makes no sense while you're in me. a relationship, it's Yeah, it's only going to make you want to get out of the relationship more, I feel. You obviously maybe you're not going to take actions if you're in a monogamous relationship, but yeah, po- polyamorous relationships are 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 fascinating. <laughs> to me um I, and it's probably does it work better if you're not the jealous type i would imagine yeah uh yes but i'm like running into trouble now because i don't understand oh. the other person's experience so like i'm like well that's not fair i just i just told you i like let you go do whatever you wanted why can't i go do what i want and they're like because i don't i feel jealous and i'm like what does that even mean like what why (laughs) i like Mm. i'm not gonna leave you so what is there to and they're like i don't know i just have feelings about it which like i think is most people they're not gonna be like i understand why i just like whatever you just suggested gave me like a pit in my stomach you know but i'm like yeah why (laughs) but i think like when you so it's 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 hard for me to relate to the other person's experience which i think causes problems why are you fascinated by it it's just so 
outside of my norm based on the environment that I grew up in, right? Mm -hmm. My parents are divorced, but I grew up in a very conservative South Korean environment. And despite me coming to Canada when I was about seven and from Korea, I still grew up in that environment, right? And Mm -hmm. even just society as a whole, I feel like it's not, um, it's just not as well practiced. Maybe LA is probably in like a lot of New York, LA is, is a bit ahead of the curve and no, stuff like that. People um, are still like, what? Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is pol- polyamorous relationships is actually the more supposedly natural thing for human beings to do, right? From an evolution perspective. Yeah, but it depends. I mean, people, it depends on, some people are just not built for it, which like, isn't their fault. Like, it's just like a, it's a joke and be like, it's like not your fault. Like monogamy is a fetish. Like it's not your fault. (laughs) Like, like, uh, you want to be with one person only forever, like kinky and weird. But like, uh, but like, I think, (laughs) I think like, it, it, I, I, I don't know because different, I mean, penguins mate for life and like lobsters mate for life. So like, it, it's just like whatever you, whatever works best for, for you. I think like I, I had, I, I have trouble with like in monogamous relationships. I was like, how much do you want to know? What do you, what is going to upset you? What do you want to know? Like what level of honesty do you want? Um, and with Polly, it's nice because you just kind of, it's you just are honest, although I still struggle with like how much information is too too much information. Because <laughs> um, in mm. my head, I'm like I want I'm like when someone I'm with is like has an experience or or is dating someone else or whatever, I'm like tell me everything. Like what like what's mm. the goss? Like you know. Um, and then oftentimes the people I'm dating are like I don't want to know, and I'm like but I'm bursting with goss. Let me give you the gossip. <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> So now, now, is it different when you're dating a male? Because I, I understand you're bisexual mm-hmm. as well. So does it, is it different if you're dating someone that is male and you go into a polyamorous relationship versus a female versus going to polyamorous relationship? What's which one's easier? My partner right now is a non-binary person, transmasculine person, and um, and I think like it. It just depends on if the person is used to it, like. I've dated women who were like uh, freaking out, couldn't handle it. Um, and I've dated guys who were like freaking out and couldn't handle it. Um, the one partner I've had who I think was like perfectly matched to me in terms of the relationship style, but unfortunately I did not like him enough, which is like, oh, but um, mm. he, uh, he was a, a cis guy who was just like we were the same but um my partner now is yeah non-binary person trans person and um they are they identify they like went into it identifying as poly as did this other guy um the one guy i'm thinking of who didn't identify as poly was it went into it with me and like learned a lot and was like definitely like experimenting in part of it but eventually he like it was like it's too much and he I think is with someone now where they're monogamous. Um, and yeah. the woman that I was dating, I, uh, this long-term girlfriend I had, we like were non-monogamous, but she also had a lot of issues with it and was very like nervous and, and monogamous, I think at heart. And then, um, 
my partner now I already identified as poly. The other guy already identified as poly. It depends on like where they're at in their journey. You know, like when you, I dated a, yeah. a woman, I dated a woman who was married. So she was married to her wife and then she and I were dating and, um, that was great. But the, the, the wife was very jealous, which was kind of funny because their relationship structure was already poly where they already dated multiple people. And then when I started dating, the wife is when she kind of got really jealous and upset. But that was just, I think about me specifically. So like, it really depends on the situation. Like, I think if her wife had been dating someone else, maybe she wouldn't have had the same, like, I don't like this, you know? Yeah. It's really individual. Yeah. Jealousy is, uh, well, just the way we feel about people, the, the, the dynamic, the dynamics of it is so complicated, even just with two people though. Mm -hmm. And and I imagine having a third or fourth or I don't know, Polly could be like five people in the picture, I guess. It could really be infinite. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can see why the jealousy could trigger, uh, for you, let's say, but not for anyone else for this wife. Maybe, you know, partly because, you know, sometimes you feel that there are certain people that could be a better fit for your partner and you Mm -hmm. see that uh, because of the characteristics that you have or a certain look that you have and maybe that threatened her, uh, you know, her her relationship potentially. Or I remind her of some girl she didn't like in high school or I like remind her of, you know, or my career is something she wants. You know, it could be anything. I mean, I think there's certain people, even non-romantically, where you see them and they're like, get, really get your goat because you're like, oh, I could be you. Like, you are mm. you are doing the thing that I want to do and I'm so mad. And like, how do you? Yeah, you could remind the Jew of their of their lack of actions or yeah. failures in some parts, right? And how do you make that person? I've like really struggled with like, how do you make that person your friend rather than like stew in jealousy of them? Or how do you? How do you? St- okay, I'm going to replicate what they did, or I'm going to admire them versus like every time you see them pop up on social media, being like. Ah, you make me feel like shit about myself. You know, I don't know how. Mm. I don't know the answer to that. I'm posing that to you. I have not solved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think if it's your own envy, if it's your own jealousy of someone else, I think that's certainly something you can work on uh, because it's within your control, certainly. But if it's someone else that's jealous of you, mm-hmm. that's trying to be in your life, I think you should cut those people out because I know those are often the most dangerous people because you just never know what's going to what's going on in their minds or what's going to happen that's just my personal opinion yeah because um, i don't think it's as easy to get over especially if you're in a relationship with the other person that they're dating it just seems mm-hmm. quite complicated i even mean career-wise right like i'm sure do you have people that you like follow on social media just to be like i wish this was my career i wish i was this person and you just like it's like digital self-harm to be like look at them succeeding you know but then you don't realize like maybe you're (laughs) that for someone else you know but like also like i i'm trying to figure out like what the balance is with like social media of just like staring at people's pages who are who I think I should be and like how much of a waste of time that is. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess a lot of it is. There is some factor to having that inspiration and yeah. letting that fuel you into doing something bigger and better for yourself. Um, so, it, but it can be very harmful, obviously, depending <laughs> on how long you're staring at your phone and how many people yeah. you compare yourself to, all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's different for everyone, I guess. I'm trying not to. Uh, I've gotten better at it, I think, in recent years. But then I got on TikTok and now I see all these TikTok people who are better than me and it's really causing a spiral. <laughs> I mean... Should you though? They're like half, half your, like they're like 18, 16, 15 well, year old girls. What's, no? That's what's horrible. I'm like, look at you. You already knew how to make content <laughs> for the internet. Are you kidding me? Um, no, I think, uh, I, I think I, you go through creative phases where sometimes like for me, like I'll have like two years where the projects are like happening and then I'll have like, a period of time where I have to be like creating and I have to be making the projects. And that feels very slow to me. Cause I'm like, okay, I got to write it. I got to pitch it. Like, or like I'm sitting, like coming up with the ideas and then you start the cycle over again because my work yeah. is the nature of my work is that you sell something and then you work on that. And then that happens or doesn't happen. And then you sell something and you work on that. And then that happens or doesn't happen. Um, and so, like, I feel like it repeats every couple years where I, like, start up on something else. And I'm like, I hope this is the thing. Um, and yeah. so it's – I'm, like, n now I'm sort of in the, like, phase of, th okay, w thinking about what I want to write and pitching and coming up with ideas versus, like, marinating mm -hmm. in the ideas that, like, I will have to work on. Um, and that sometimes feels – uh, depressing in some ways, but then who knows if you had caught me tomorrow, I would have been like, I'm a genius. I've come up with the best ideas. <laughs> like it fluctuates, right? Yeah. Um, yesterday I was like, I'm a piece of shit. Who's never, am I allowed to curse? Of course. Okay. I was like, yesterday I was like, I'm a piece of shit. Who's never made anything. Meanwhile, like I'm at my parents' house with like four books I've written on the shelf, but I'm like, you can't talk to me. I'm like, I've never done anything good. I'm a loser. And then, like, who knows? Tomorrow I'll think of something and I'll be like, it's incredible what a genius I am. Like, it's never... Mm. I would love to be in the middle at some point. <laughs> so you're saying you're literally on the other side, mm -hmm. which is just feeling shit about yourself. Yeah. And then you're on the other side, which is, like, feeling extremely confident. Well, I have bipolar disorder. There's no between. No. Well, I have bipolar disorder mm. and I'm on medication and stuff. But, so yeah, I think, like, some days you're like, wow, I can't believe what a gift to the world I am. And then like other days you're like, I'm a waste of space. I'm worthless. Um, and for me, a lot of it is career based, which is so healthy. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in Hollywood where like literally everything is yeah, up in the air. Forget it. And they could not, I mean, there's no reason or rhyme for any of it. Like I remember I was shooting a pilot for MTV in 2015 and I, my hair was, uh, purple and they were like great we love the script we love everything like we'll let you shoot it exactly how you want to shoot it your hair needs to be blonde and I was like that like I don't know if you know how long purple dye takes but like you cannot go from purple to blonde like you just can't and they were like well I don't know like your hair needs to be blonde figure it out and they gave me money they were like here's money to make your hair blonde and I was like 
my hair's going to fall out of my head. Like, you don't understand. Like, if I try to bleach. Yeah. And they were like, too bad, so sad. So I, like, went to the hairdresser and my hair was, like, long. Like, this long, how it is now. Like, down my back. And they, he, like, stripped it of the color. It took eight hours. He, we had to cut my hair short and then add extensions. It was, like, a whole fucking thing. Just because they were, like, "Mm, arbitrarily, we, like, wish that you were a blonde. Uh, because I don't know, they had, because like in my mind, I'm like, why? Because like, like some, like Demi Lovato has purple hair now. So you're like worried as an exec that purple hair will like evoke something else, like whatever, like weird minor Hollywood thing. Um, so then I did all that. I did all that to my hair and then they didn't pick up the show and that's show business, baby. (laughs) Holy shit. You're basically a pawn at that point. I mean, it's just like they don't give a fuck. Nope. And that's show business. So. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> in, in some in some sense, I mean, when you look at the greatest artists, the greatest musicians, writers, a lot of them, in fact, probably most of them, they had this level of being able to have this dark side and uh, you know, the, the funniest stand-up comedians are generally not the ones that think they're funny or think they're the greatest. It's often the people that think they're a piece of shit or Neurotic, that they're not funny. Yeah, yeah and, and, and in some ways, I'm sure that's is what makes you such a great artist and, and creative in in different forms. So you are in the perfect industry in some <laughs> sense, right? Despite, <laughs> despite how much harm it does to your mental health <laughs> and how difficult it is. I, I mean, I've been a writer since I was a kid, like, all I know how to do is write. Like I was writing when I was like in second grade, first grade. So I think mm. like there was no option for me where I wasn't a writer. So I like went to school for journalism, worked as a reporter, was a reporter for a while, started writing scripts. Um, I had this blog that was popular and I, mm-hmm. uh, which was like just a blog about journalism and myself. I wrote about myself too. And I, uh, put a post up on the blog because it had like 20,000 followers. And I was like, Hey guys, this was like 2011, 2012. I was like, uh, is anyone reading this? Someone who works in Hollywood. I wrote a script and two people responded. One was an agent and one was an exec at Nickelodeon. And I sent the script to them. And, um, the agent was my first agent. Uh, Justin, who became my first agent. And then the guy at Nickelodeon years later, when I moved to LA or a couple years later, when I moved to LA, he hired me on a sketch show at Nickelodeon to be a writer. So it came from, so then I moved to Los Angeles, which I never, never thought I thought I was going to live and die in New York. I thought I was going to be one of the New York Hmm. people who like, they find you in your apartment with cats and like, you've lived, you've lived there and you're 80 and you've like died in your apartment. Like, that's what I thought I was going to be. Why is that? You didn't like L.A. or you just loved New York so much? Um, Well, I think like a lot of I mean, I grew up in Florida and I think a lot of queer kids have this idea of like, I just got to get to New York. You know, like you see the musical rent and you're like, I just got to get to New York. (laughs) That's where all the people are. Uh, And so I went to I went to school in Boston and then I was like, New York's where you go. Like when you're like gay or queer and and you're a creative and whatever, like you just got to go to New York. Um, But New York is hard. Like New York is like struggles Um, and some people love it. And I, by the end of it was like, I want to just take a car to a target. 
Like, I wish I had a washing machine. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, everything is so expensive. Yeah. It's, like, hard. You, like, you're on the subway and, like, there's no privacy, which was such a fun thing to, like, when I moved to L.A., you have, like, a house, you have, like, a home that's, like, a little bit more private. It's a little bit more space. And you have, you, ideally, you have a car. So if I, like, wanted to have a panic attack, I would just sit in my car. Or if I wanted to have a private conversation, call someone, sit in my car. In New York, everything is so public. So if you, like, I forgot when I went back to visit for the first time, people just cry openly on the street. If you need to fight with your partner on the phone, yeah. you're doing it on, like, Avenue, like, you the know, subway. Avenue A yeah. and and whatever. And, like, you know, you're you're uh, on the subway. If you're on the subway, if you and your partner are, like, on the subway and you start, like, arguing or you or you're on a date that's going well and you want to start making out it's not going to happen in your car because you don't have a car you're going to try to like suck each other's faces on like the g train on the way back to fucking williamsburg like do you know what i mean there's like <laughs> i feel like that's you no <laughs> that was very specific what I, you just said <laughs> I, yeah well yeah somebody mentioned i was in a, a comment i was in a uh uh the other meeting and somebody was talking about the McKibben lofts, which is like a hipster place that people live in Brooklyn. And then I hadn't thought of the McKibben lofts in forever. And they were like, yeah, like we did this art project, at the McKibben lofts. And I was like, Oh, I just like immediately flashed back to like being in my twenties. And I was like, Oh man, like, cause it's a, it's, it's communal housing. So like people like kind of have mm. bedrooms, but not really. And it's like a lot of like hipster people. And like, it's this like, it's it's there's like mattresses on the floor and it's kind of like a warehouse or whatever and i was like dear god i just like flashed back to like hooking up with people at mckibben lofts and i was like oh jesus christ like you are you living there or you just went no to go... i didn't live there i there was like I, I a sti- I, it's hard to explain it was like cool but uh-huh. also a stigma and like um yeah. no i just was like i did my 20s in new york and like doing your 20s in new york is fun because you're just, I mean, there's no driving. So, I mean, there's like, you're a mess. Like you can do whatever you want. Like you, one thing I miss about New York is you could like start at a, at one bar with friends and then someone could be like, Hey, there's a party here. You're like, great, I'll go. And then someone's like, Hey, we're going to like go to like any night could end anywhere. And in LA, it's a little bit more planned. Um, mm. So like it was, it was easier to I mean, it could have also just been because I was in my 20s and, like, maybe I would have been that way in any city. Uh, but I, like, I had no money. I would, like, have schemes of how to, like, make money. Like, it was, like, so specifically – I mean, like, one time – I talk about this a lot because I have a podcast about money. And I talk about how, yeah. like, I, like, would sell my items. So, like, you know, I had, like, these iPod speakers – and I was like, had no money. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sell these iPod speakers to like a pawn shop. Used to love pawn shops. Used to go to pawn shops all the time. And so like, I would go, so I was like, okay, I'm going to sell these iPod speakers to the pawn shop. And I had them in a brown paper bag. And I was walking along the street. It was the summer in New York. It was so hot. And um, the bag broke and the speakers fell and they shattered. And I was like, fuck, I don't have anything else to sell. And I like sat down on the ground in, I think like Chelsea and just started sobbing and like, it's New York. No one stopped. They were all just like, yep. Oh my God. (laughs) Girl in a sundress crying about broken speakers. 
that's like a, that's like a Wednesday morning. Like who cares? Tuesday, yeah, that's yeah. like who gives a shit. <laughs> uh, it was like so specific, but like if I had been in LA, I imagine like you know it's like a different vibe. No, maybe nobody would have stopped, but like it would have been like a maybe a more private moment. I don't know, but like it just was like it felt so. Um, that to me, that memory is like so New York, but then also like bringing a bottle of wine to the movie theater because like you don't have to drive. So you're just going to like drink in the theater while you watch a French movie and then like go to another party. Like that is also New York to me. Mm. So like highs, highs and lows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite places to go. I think it's called Nighthawk. I lived in Williamsburg. Oh my God. On, this, yes. Uh, it's awesome. What's it called again? Night, night, night Hawk cinema. Night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Night Hawk cinema. Mm-hmm. So I live right across from there. Aww. Where they have like the little grocery, st- uh, like a little like supermarket, like literally right above. And I would be in the room, bedroom there, and I would always see people talking about the movie outside. And I'd be oh. like, fuck, like I need to wear earplugs because I was just about to go see the movie and people just talk about the ending and how crazy it was. I'm like, oh my God. That is such, <laughs> just like, that is such a beautiful yeah. New York story, no? It is. It's just like everything is so connected. You can't really escape the scene. Yeah. It's always just happening. Yeah. Like you're like never alone. In LA, if I wanted to walk outside at like two in the morning, nobody's there. But I mean, and we're talking like pre-corona. But like in New York, if you walk yeah. outside, like and go, you might run into a friend who knows. You might like go, you might like, there's like mm. something for you to, to do or whatever. And I just like... um I was ready to leave when I left. Like I was very like, I was like, I'm over this. And like, it's such a struggle. Like every day is, is hard. Like we're talking about it, like being funny, but it's also like some days you're like, I just, I don't need to be on the subway with this person who's like openly eating a tuna sandwich and like sneezing into it and like eating it. Or like, I don't need to, I don't want to like, just like have to carry my groceries up five flights of stairs. Like I hate everything. Um, so there's, so I was like ready to go when I left and now I like, I, I'm in, I've been in LA for like seven years. I, I love LA too. I don't think there's like a, um, it's, I like have a lovely house. There's like a yard, you know, like in, and for the amount of money that probably my friends pay in New York for like a shoebox, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you know anyone in LA when you first moved here or did you have to build your circle again? That's I, the hard part, right? Yeah. I mean, I sobbed when I left New York because I had a going away party and like, you know, I, I missed my, I was like going to miss my friends. Um, and me and my friend Nick were in the corner and I was just like sobbing cause I've known him since college and he's like very mm-hmm. like the epitome of New York to me. Like he's a New York guy. So that was like sad. But, um, in, I did. Did I have to start over? Yeah, I had like some comedy friends. I had a couple friends from college. Um, I met my my uh, girl that I do my podcast with seven years ago. I met her like on the street in L.A. outside of a comedy club. So that was like, you know, serendipitous. Um, And I met this one girl on Twitter named Brittany Nichols, who I did. We followed each other on Twitter. And now like seven years later, like I talked to friends and I'll be like, how did we meet originally? And there it's always like through Brittany. And I'm like, through Brittany, right. my partner, my partner's a musician. 
my partner was doing a music video and I was like, who initially emailed me to be in that music video? Because that's how we met. I was in the video. And I was like, who emailed me to be in the video? And I looked it up and it was Brittany. <laughs> wow. So she's like the super connector that you got. Super connector. Everyone has met through Brittany, which I was like, wow, I never realized how much. Like I, I emailed her and I was like, you get to make a speech at our wedding. And I was like, you get, <laughs> and I was like, she's a comedian. So I was like, you get a tight five and it better be good. <laughs> <laughs> if that wedding happens of course exactly if that wedding happens yeah. i look forward to britney's uh stand up I, I look forward to britney emceeing the wedding <laughs> <laughs> well uh i, I want to get into a bit about uh the you know the the book itself of course but um talking about kind of you know bad with money of mm -hmm. course uh, given the concept of like la versus new york do you feel like you're spending less in la in general yeah, we're, yeah, weirdly. Um, I think in New York, there was a lot of stuff that was hard to be convenient about. And mm -hmm. in, uh, LA, it's like a little bit more of a convenient, softer lifestyle. Um, also, it's just like you're not struggling as much in the winter. Like winter clothes cost money and like getting places and like the idea of like, you know, being like, fuck it, let's just take a cab. Like, you know, this kind of stuff where yeah. like in L.A. it's like doesn't really I mean, it gets cold. But like now my concept of cold is all fucked up where I'm like, it's freezing at like <laughs> yeah, 60 too. degrees or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, yeah, so I I think like a lot. Of, you know, what's interesting about the pandemic is I think people are realizing that they don't need to live in these um, big cities that cost so much money and that a lot of these cities are starting to cost less um mm. which uh i think has pros and cons like i've read a lot of articles about people who in rural areas who are so pissed because all of these city people are now moving to these rural areas um and like kind of taking over and gentrifying which like of course that's what we love to do but um that like yeah it's it's uh people are my friends live all over now i mean because of the yeah. pandemic like you know, we all lived in L.A. And now, like, my friend, my one friend lives in Maine. She bought a house in Maine. And, like, I think people are doing kind of what they would would be afraid to do because they were like, I have to live in a major metropolitan city. But, like, now they're like, you know, I've always wanted to live in Montana. Now I live in Montana. I've always – my, like, friend, like, met a girl on – a dating app and like moved to Arizona and like lives in her house in Arizona now and like getting to, you know, my friend Aaron is in Santa Fe, like people who are like moving. I feel like now like people, younger people who are in my demographic. So let's say like young, queer, liberal, whatever are like in, I mean, I'll like text a friend and be like, Hey, what's up? And they'll be like, I moved to St. Louis or I moved to like, you know, I'm living in uh, upstate New York now or, you know, like, yeah, I, uh, people have I went to I went to Kentucky, whatever it is, like friends are my friends are all spread out now because everyone hangs out on Zoom anyway. And all your meetings are on Zoom. And like my one friend is like secretly in Atlanta, like he he moved to Atlanta, but he's an actor. And he said he hasn't told anyone and it's he's doing all his auditions on Zoom and stuff because whatever. And he just wants to live in Atlanta and he's tired of L.A. And if he books something, he'll just fly to L.A. and like stay in a hotel. But and Smart. but when he tells the casting directors like, yeah, I'm in L.A. 
Um, but mm. like he moved to Atlanta. And like, so now I feel like when this is all over, my friends are going to be everywhere and they're going to be living in places that, uh, like, you know, we never thought of or would have lived, which like, again, like, I'm so sorry to the original inhabitants of those areas, <laughs> but <laughs> because I think they are like super annoyed by people moving out to rural places. But I mean, my partner and I were in the middle of the desert in Joshua Tree for like three months. We just moved to the desert. I would never have done that. Never. Mm. Um, because I would always be like worried that I need to be in LA for work. But it's cool that we're kind of realizing that you like don't need to be in one place for work and that you could kind of move wherever you want now in a way that like maybe you don't need to live in that congested city. Maybe you've like always wanted to live in like, you know, rural Oregon and now you can. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that is going to work out for local economies. Uh, and I'm sorry to anyone who's like, stay away from my town. But <laughs> but that's I mean, it, it helps with the real estate uh, increase of pricing. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if a lot of people start to move in there, I, I would imagine there's maybe it's not all positive for them. Right. Because uh, they maybe they prefer that. But I mean, there's there's some there's some benefits to it, I imagine. And it, it's interesting to see like the predictions of what will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading something where the last time we had a crazy pandemic like this was the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. And before that, getting on calls like telephones, which was invented like 40 years before the Spanish flu, yeah. was like was like not a cool thing. It was like something to do if you're... It, just, <laughs> it wasn't like a trendy thing to do, apparently. And now, uh, after the Spanish flu, apparently the rise of telephones usage was wow. like skyrocketed because of that. Wow. And now they're saying this is very similar to what's happening with Zoom or Skype or yeah. teleconferencing in general, where people are just getting much more comfortable with it out of force. And it's going to, you know, it, it, what you just mentioned, it's just going to distribute people across, not just the US, but across the world. Um yeah, it's exciting to like have predictions around like what's going to happen post corona, right? Yeah. Like, now we have the vaccine that's up and everything. Do you have any thoughts in, in terms of like what are some of the crazy predictions you think that could happen oh my in God. the economy <laughs> or how we work? I I love I love that people don't have to go into their jobs. I love not having to drive to Santa Monica to audition for something I know I'm not going to get and then to be in traffic for an hour back. I think it's like created more efficiency in work. I also think that it's created more opportunities for disabled people. I mean, so many friends of mine who are disabled have talked about how they'd apply for a job and they would be like, I'm sorry, like, you know, you have to come in and we can't, you know, we can't accommodate you. And like they could have now what sucks is they could have accommodated you the whole time. They just didn't want to. Mm. And so a lot of people now are like, actually getting to um, work at jobs that they would have already been good at, but they just were disabled and couldn't leave their house or whatever. And so I think like now the way that we're working, I I would say it will keep being more efficient and probably like more accessible. I mean, the amount of times like that I think about like how I would have had to like drive in, park, pay for parking, like do the whole thing to like go to a meeting for 20 minutes, which like now like it, of course it could have been a Skype. It could have been a Skype the whole time. So mm-hmm. like like you were saying about the telephone, like probably this will be this will change the way 
that we manage time because now I'm able to do like tons of meetings back to back. Whereas like normally I wouldn't be able to. Sure. I yeah. don't know. And, and speaking of money, I think I think there's like arbitrage opportunities for people like your friend living in Atlanta or Maine where mm-hmm. a lot of times you're able to get similar amounts of, of earnings, mm-hmm. but your expenses have just went like incredibly uh-huh. low, right? Compared Oof. to LA, New York. Do you ever look at real estate prices in like small towns and then just feel like you want to vomit? Like, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I look at like, I'm like, I could buy a house. I mean, like in upstate New York, you could, I could buy a house for like $200,000. The house I'm currently living in, in Los Angeles, if I wanted to buy it, it's $2 million. Like. Similar size. Yeah. But the house in New York is probably bigger. Like, it's like. Mm. Because there's nothing around, but like, where are we going? (laughs) Like, I think like, I think like, I used to look at real estate prices in like smaller towns because I'm from Florida, I'm from the South. And so I would look at like, what's the real estate price in like middle of Georgia or or middle of Tennessee or something. And it's like, oh, like you could have like so much land and like such a better life for so much and like you know Mm. things cost less money and like i remember one of the first times i came i was living in new york and i came back to visit florida and and i went to a a a bar and i got a beer and they were like that's gonna be a dollar and i was like a dollar like what (laughs) like in new york this beer would be nine dollars so like you just don't um i think maybe like I don't know because people are out of work and they don't have any money. And like, I think we need like another huge stimulus check. And like, I think that's us specific. Um, and like, I yeah. think our government has not helped us enough at all. And people are super struggling, but also I think it's causing, and, and who knows, like maybe people in rural areas are like, this is bad because you're making our real rent prices go up. You're making our real estate prices mm. go up. Um, sure, you're sure. going to, now there's going to be a Starbucks on the corner. That's going to put our, local coffee shop out of business, you know, I think like a lot of stuff is going to change, maybe not for the better in some ways economically, but I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll forgive student loans here. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. Because maybe I think a lot of what's happening in the U S has made us realize how much more we need social services that not just for people that we've stigmatized. So it's not like, Ugh, like this person on welfare, you know what I mean? It's like, no, you're, you're mm-hmm. now like your friend is on unemployment. Um, so it's, yeah, it's real. Yeah. It's real shit. Yeah. It's more, yeah. A, it's more visible around you. The ways in which like people are, are, have, you know, who, who can continue to work and who can't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's inflated by this idea of money being such a taboo topic. You know, mm-hmm. this is something you certainly talk about. Like people just don't like to talk about money in general, or oftentimes, you know, at least in my culture, just to, to talk about that you're struggling around money mm-hmm. is so taboo. It just, it's, it's so, uh, it feels ashamed, I guess, to, to talk about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is very difficult. I mean, have you looked into like why this is such a taboo topic for people? Um, because they've tied it to their self-worth. So they think that, and everything in our, 
I mean, the ways that other financial gurus talk to people, and I don't even want to put myself in that category, but the ways that they talk to people is like, you're stupid, you're an idiot, you should have known better, you did this wrong. Um, It's very, like, tied to intelligence in a way that, like, it's not in real life tied to intelligence. It's tied to, like, class and how you were born and what your parents taught you. And um, you can be rich and bad with money just as much as you can be uh, lower income and bad with money. And I would argue lower income people are sometimes much better with money than, than rich people because they know where every dollar goes versus like this book, um, uneasy street by Rachel Sherman talks about like how rich people spend money. And, you know, there's one woman in it who's like, how did I spend $65,000 last month? So weird. And then just like moves on. And like, meanwhile, like a low income person would be like, my $1 went here, my $1 went here. Um, so I would categorize that person as good with money and the rich woman as bad with money. But I think we tie it to, um, to, to self-worth to like, if you're a good, even to like morals, if you're a good person. Um, and so you don't want to talk about struggling because you don't want to look stupid. You feel like everyone has learned something that you just haven't learned and you like missed a day in school or you just were not smart enough to pick it up or whatever, which meanwhile, most of your friends are also probably thinking that about you. Um, and like you think it's tied to like if you are a good person or if you you don't you don't want people to look at you and think like that you're a mess or that you're like a a stupid or something um Mm -hmm. i talk a lot about the prosperity gospel which i think is partially how trump got elected uh it's this thing kind of mostly tied to evangelical churches but it's basically the idea that like god or jesus himself has blessed wealthy people and that they are wealthy for the reason of that God and Jesus has blessed them. And so they they must be better than us in some way. They must know something. They must be more blessed than us in order to have achieved this wealth, which, by the way, is just generational and on the backs of slavery here in the U.S., but whatever. And so, like, a lot of these people, because Trump is rich or was rich, they're like, well, he must have been chosen by God. Jesus must have blessed him. So that he must be better than us. So they vote wow. for him. Whereas like, and I think that's that it's that way with uh, mega church pastors, right? Like though my mega church pastor, like I'm struggling, but he has a private jet, but that's because Jesus has blessed him for being special and better than me. And so like, I, that's a thing that I like ruminate on and fixate on and, and uh, makes me furious. But, um, but like, so I think, but they think if you, if it's not that literal for you, like if you're not like Jesus has blessed this person, whatever, uh, it still trickles down into your mentality where you're like, well, this person must be smarter than me. You know, this person's an entrepreneur, this person, fake, fake ideas. Uh, this idea that like Jeff Bezos funded Amazon in a garage, like he can do it. Why can't you? I don't know. He had an infusion of money from his father. Do you have that? Like, I think like there's all this kind of these narratives that were that were fed of like working hard and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and blah 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 so like when you say like you're having problems with money people are like something's wrong with you rather than being like something's wrong with the world the social services available to people i mean i wrote an article about why student uh, student debt should be canceled and i had people come at me being like well if that happened like there you know there would be uh, an infusion of money to certain people and then other people who didn't go to college wouldn't have blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, so the idea is we should just not cancel student debt and we should just let everyone suffer. How about we argue, okay, do this, do this canceling student debt and give us Medicare for all 
and give us better social services uh, and provide like, uh, you know, uh, better services for people who instead of the like school to prison pipeline or whatever, people think so small. They're like, well, we can't possibly do this because then this will happen. And I'm like, you know, there's answers to how that other thing could also we things could be good. Did you know that? But because we like we're so individualistic and we associate it with like poor judgment or like you you did something wrong rather than like we are being failed you know yeah for sure we if, i think i don't know if it's just america but america certainly has this high correlation of self-worth and how mm-hmm. much money they make and it's interesting because you look at countries that don't have that and you go to the philippines to a lot of the rural parts in mexico and oftentimes just a lot of the poorest places Mm -hmm. they are so much happier and they have way less than the poorest person in america Mm -hmm. and it's it's just the wiring of our brains or Mm -hmm. what the media is teaching us and the, the, the system in general um is there is certainly uh something a fault to that i don't quite know exactly what it is but when you look at the contrast of people it's certainly not money that's going to make you happiness yet the way americans and probably even canadians think uh, a lot of the western nations think is 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 very backwards uh at the same time what's beautiful about america is that anyone that has the work ethic that is able to really work for it um at least they have a better shot than most people do in they? different nations. Do they? Better shot than people in India, than people in in, in other places. But uh, I think there's We have still, enough stories, at least, to, to show you that. But I think the stories are false, dude. Like, I, I don't think it's real. Like, we get this very clean narrative of certain things, but, like, we never... You never hear... I mean, let me give you a hot take. As, like... As a white person, if you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you were low income and you made a lot of money and whatever, you still, because of the ways in which slavery did not allow black people to um, amass generational wealth at all. And like maybe you don't have generational wealth, but your parents like have a house or like you you were not like homeless or something like mm-hmm. you still were leaps and bounds above like the majority of the black community in America. So like, it's still like, yes, you did climb your way out, but you still had an advantage. Like this narrative of like anybody could become this is like really not true. It's possible for like some people And I'm not even talking about, like, your parents give you $10,000. I'm talking about, like, the basic beginnings of this country where, you know, if you are able to have amassed any sort of wealth, you're 100 years ahead of, you know, someone who immigrated here or someone who, you know, the Native Americans who going back to Columbus were, like, pushed onto reservations and, like, mass genocided and, like, were not able to um, receive the the help from the government that, you know, they're often forgotten by the larger U.S. government in terms of, like, social services. And, like, I think the narrative that, like, anybody could do it is, is – does not take into account 
like the history of the country and and like i i think there are things that get conveniently erased like you know oh well this person had an infusion of money for whatever uh, from a parent or something but also i mean there is something to well they had to do something with it but i i just the the gap and like the ways in which like the suburbs were were born so like if you want to look up like levittown people listening it was like you could not get a loan if you were a black person you could not get a loan and like if you were building your factory like you were a, a business owner and you were building like your business if you were in a white community but you were even too like the bank deemed you too close to a black community they would not approve your loan. So like white people could like walk to their jobs, but black people, if they wanted to work at that factory, had to like commute because the factory itself would not be able to get a loan to exist if they were literally even like a certain mile away from a black community. Like these are things that we don't know because we don't study them. And you're like Canadian. So like, the I mean, this is like, you know, I'm speaking very much for the U.S., but like there the the ways in which, you know, people go, well, it's even it's equal now is like you don't even like understand how much we purposefully started these people behind the eight ball. So yeah. it's it's like uh, the statistics are awful the average even the most low-income white household the average amount of money that they have in terms of assets even um so like the idea that you could like sell your kitchen table or whatever i think it's like i mean 50 or 40 percent more than what the average black household has like it's really 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 racial and really divided um for sure and we and we built it that way. It's not an accident. We built it that way. <laughs> uh, there's a book called The Color of Law, which is really great. We had him on our Just Between Us podcast, which is another podcast I do. And um, he talked all about it, that it's like people are like, well, you know, segregation or like people are like, well, black people live in these neighborhoods. and White people live in these neighborhoods. And that's just how it happened. And it's like he's like, no, it, we literally designed it that way. Yeah. Anyway, no, the I, U.S. I should, is fantastic. <laughs> it's got a lot of problems for sure. Uh, highest healthcare cost yet one of the lowest quality. Yeah, I mean, this, it can go on for sure. How's, how's what I was health- really saying. Oh yeah. What's that? I was gonna say, how's healthcare in Spain? Um, I don't think it's like amazing either. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, I have I have insurance here. I mean, compared to Canada, it's 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 definitely not up to crazy par. I mean, I'm young at least. I haven't had anything happen. Yeah. So. I haven't looked into it that much, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was comparing more the, I guess the, the, the fact that Americans as a whole, I didn't, obviously there's inequality between uh, mm-hmm. certainly blacks versus whites. And, and, you know, you can probably break that down into multiple different categories. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really comparing more America as a whole of the people that are living there versus someone let's say in venezuela or mm-hmm. someone that is in yeah you know other poor parts that right. can't even leave their countries right um so yeah yeah i think i think we're both in agreement there in terms yeah of- well canada is great with health care 
Uh, we are. Yep. There is. <laughs> there is free healthcare. University is a lot cheaper. Do you guys look at the U.S. and go, ah, "You guys, come on." <laughs> Get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sometimes.、Um, I mean, I don't think Canada is necessarily perfect.、Either. No, you're not.、Um, but yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I, I think America still is a place for whatever reason that people still gravitate to. I'm sure part of that is like media and like Hollywood films and just the attraction of that. Uh, and you get the outliers like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whoever、mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg that create these big companies, and I guess people want to believe that they can do that,、mm-hmm. and that's why they go there.、Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question is, if you are, I guess, an American, do you have plans? Do you would you? There must be reasons, obviously, that you're staying in America, right? Versus、huh. going to Spain or other places. <sighs> I don't know. COVID really put a damper on that. The last season of Bad with Money was, or the season before the last, was all about if I should move somewhere else. And I talked to people in different countries, and like, nor people in like Sweden and Norway and like whatever are just like thriving. <laughs> like, but <laughs> but it's it's hard because. Then you're far from your family, and you know. And I and I talked to a lot of Americans who had just like made the move or whatever. And my friend Stevie just moved to London,、uh, not to London, to to England. And like,、mm. I just like it's like your friends and your family, and like, but like, I, part of me is like, I wish we I could up uproot all of us and move us somewhere else. Like New Zealand,、yeah. oh my God, New Zealand is like just. Living their best lives, like what the fuck, like yeah, I. It's so hard because you're built up to be like America's the best, but like it's way not, <laughs> and like you don't have. It's almost like a like a like a a, a a like a relate like a what's it called Stockholm syndrome, like <laughs> ironically, I would love I would love <laughs>、yeah. to be in Stockholm, but like you know it's just this thing where. Uh, you're like, well, I know everything here, and the other place, I don't know. The plugs might be weird, and it's different money, and who knows? I'm very, you know, but like, we're not taught, I think, to be like worldly citizens the way like the EU people are, and I, you know, when I was traveling, I would meet so many Australians. That's like the joke.、Mm-hmm. Like, if you are like traveling in Europe or、um, anywhere, really, you're gonna run into Australians. Because they go places, they're citizens of the world. They go places. They're they're sent like you know, like they they take a gap year and they do all this stuff. And like I think we're Americans are fed a lot of fear about going to other countries. Like our narratives are like you'll get kidnapped, like you'll get taken. You know the movie Taken. Yeah. Like you'll you know you go somewhere else and you're a stupid American and this and that and、uh, it's dangerous or whatever.、Um, and like. I don't know why I like literally dur- during that season of Bad with Money I realized that I like thought of Americans who moved to other countries as brave, which is、mm. v- like the fact that you're in Spain. I'm like, oh my god, like. <laughs> but, but it's I, really not that hard, you know. That's the that's, that's the crazy thing. I know, and、yeah. we don't. They don't teach us other languages, which is like, we don't take we don't 
really take learning other languages seriously the way that other places do, which is so fucked up. I saw the funniest article that was like, Princess Charlotte already knows two languages. And then uh, someone else was like, so do immigrant kids, but you don't see us getting... <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't see, see us, us getting praised. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, like, I think, I think it's we are not taught like the value of being global citizens, um, yeah. which sucks. I I had a very good time in Belgium. I went to Belgium to visit. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I think, like, you know, I I think that that was like it. Just seems. Spain was a lot of fun. Like, it just seems like, I mean, although, mm. let me tell you, I, the sleep schedule of people in Spain is not sustainable to me. You guys, like, have dinner at 9 p.m. And then, like... Yeah, siestas at 4. Siestas at 4. Like, I can't. But, um, but like, people in, like, Switzerland, you know, like, these countries. But also, you know, part of the, the, the season of the podcast was sort of being, like, where can you go as a queer person? Where can you go as, like, a... You know, I talked to like this guy who's like the one black guy in his village in in like Japan or, you know, in Japan or um, and like, you know, how it is to be black in in Japan and the way people are just like, whoa, about him. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I would love to I, I would love to live somewhere else. And I hope it's interesting because I hope that now with Zoom and and everything going digital, like maybe there's because i always imagined i would have to live in los angeles but maybe now like the future will be that like your friends will just be all over you'll be in different places and you can still be friends and you'll have like normalized facetiming and talking more that way rather than just seeing each other in person yeah yeah Yeah, maybe i mean does the does the fact that you know you're you have the lifestyle of like the polyamorous relationships Mm -hmm. And like, but the bisexuality, th- does that make you second guess, like living in other countries that may not be as open to something like that? I don't actually know yeah. that feel that very well. Certain, I mean, I- Ireland, I think just recently got gay marriage. There's definitely places okay. where, there's definitely places where there, the situation is better for queer people or worse for queer people. So that is something that I do have to keep in mind. Um, and also different my partner's trans, so different reactions to trans people or um, different abilities to to receive healthcare. You know, like there's definitely stuff. Also traveling because their passport doesn't match their gender. And so it's like, you know, right. um, there's, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, even like, you know, there's a whole thing of like, as being a Jewish person, if as a Jewish person, I can um, go to Israel and immediately be a citizen, which is the mm. law, the law of return, um, which is complicated for me in a lot of ways because of the Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, right. But I like definitely thought about like, I definitely like when Trump was elected was like, I could go to Israel and be immediately a citizen. Tel Aviv. Yeah. Tel Aviv. Oh, I used to, I had a book. I went to visit Israel so when I, yeah, I was visiting Israel and I got a book called Don't Ask, Don't Tel Aviv, which was just all the <laughs> gay clubs in Tel Aviv. <laughs> that was pretty What's good. What's the culture like there for, for, uh, for the gay community? 
I mean, there's definitely like party spots. I think it's a different country in the sense that like some parts are so religious and then other like Israelis and Jews are different. Like if you're like very, very Jewish, um, you know, it, that's so different than being Israeli. People in Israel are like in general, not mm. as religious. And I was told that that was because they believe, well, I already live in Israel. Like I'm already like, I don't need to be like super religious. Like I think a lot of them are, are very secular. Um, so you would think, so like, you know, there's the hugely Jewish communities there, which like, if you drive through them on a, on Shabbat, they'll like throw rocks at you. But like, if you, um, but like, then, you know, the average, like young people, I think are just like pretty secular and pretty similar to like, not very religious. Um, I know when I was there, I was twin turning 20, um, and we like went out to nightclubs and like partied and um, went to a. I was on birthright. I was on birthright. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I was on stories, birthright. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, which is like you know now looking back, I'm like oh boy, but because uh, calling it birthright and like you know that we have like a right to this land is very complicated. But um, yeah. so I, yeah, I. Um, I, a lot was super fun. Like it's like, it's like we went to the beach on my birthday and we went to a nightclub, like in a lot, like, um, but it's a, di you know, it's a different culture obviously to where like I, I found, um, well, European men are this way, a little bit pushier, <laughs> yeah, uh, machismo. a little machismo, a little bit more aggressive. Um, yeah. which it is funny. Cause I guess, the, there's different socialization where like I found that the women were more able to be like fuck off so like it was mm. an interesting you don't like it was different than being at a anytime I, I went out to a club in Europe or in Israel um, it was a different vibe like heteronormatively it was a different vibe between uh, women and men where like the men were more aggressive and then the women were either more into it or more likely to be like get away from me versus like there's kind mm. of this dance in america of like <laughs> yeah yeah it's just they're just straight up there huh <laughs> they were they'll like i mean i don't know because maybe things have changed a lot and i was like 20 or 20 and then when i was in europe i was like 23 maybe 24 but like they'll they there's no like ma'am may i dance with you it is like grab like grab like you now, are you are you grabbed dance. yeah like yes so it, it very touchy um which is yeah. it, it which is it's a different culture yeah i think it's still that way by the way I, a lot of my best friends are from israel as well and, and yeah. it's, it's just that way of life and and some people love it some people hate it and, I, yeah, it's, yeah it's very it's very interesting i mean it's also like i think American I'm generalizing so much but like I think American men are very much like like nervous about like being too much or whatever and Israeli men are just like you I like you you're beautiful <laughs> you're like oh my god okay okay sure sure, sure. <laughs> which I found similarly yeah. to in Spain too where they were like but I think what sometimes now I'm looking back on it and I'm like maybe they're just that way with American girls because 
girls in their own culture would be like, get get the fuck away from me. And American girls are mm. like, ha, 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 okay. It could be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't I do know. know the, I, I don't, th- I think there are more like restrictive gender roles from what yeah. I understand in, in places like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like America is pretty good based on what we just said. <laughs> based on yeah, all the yeah, yeah. But, in, bad, but you know? in Israel, you know, the women are also in the military and, um, mm-hmm. So I think there's like a a strength in a way. I don't know. I mean, I I go back. It's compulsory military, uh, like experience. You know, service is uh, would not work in the U.S. I think people would flip out. So I don't know. Yeah, the yeah. Gym, it's yeah. it's a complicated topic. Yeah, it's a complicated topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gabby. Um, <laughs> Do you have any exciting projects that you want to mm. plug? Anything that you want to share that you're working on? Yeah. Apart from you moving to Spain or Israel. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I had a, an Audible original come out um, recently called Apocalypse Untreated, which is a narrative podcast about um, mental health and and ironically teenagers living through the apocalypse uh, in their mental health during mm. that which uh we recorded in february so there's no way i could have known that this would happen uh yeah yeah and wow. uh and also the bad with money podcast which uh you can get anywhere podcasts are and that's all about finances and money and the emotions behind it um and it gets very political and it's kind of a, a more like socially conscious money podcast that I think a lot of people have found it helpful both emotionally and financially. And then I have the just between us podcast, which comes out every Wednesday and that's more of like a talk show. Um, and yeah. And, and the bad with money book, uh, which is the thing I'm the most proud of the bad with money Mm. book is a companion to the podcast. And it's also like, I think people have said, it's just like also very helpful emotionally and financially. So um, please get that book. Yeah, it, it <laughs> seems like you have a very strong identity of being identified as like a writer. Seems like that's like you're mm-hmm. what, what you're most proud of, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the the uh, I, I when I was a kid, I wanted to write a book, and I've written two fiction books, one nonfiction book, and then a graphic novel. So like I I like to I'm kind of in all genres and. I think I'm most proud yeah. of the I'm most proud of the the Bad with Money book because it was so personal and yeah. so researched and it took me a year and um you know I went through my old diaries and like I really I went through like I interviewed tons of people and it was just like a a a real project so sure. um yeah I'm proud of it. <laughs> and for the Audible original is mm-hmm. that mean it's just an audio version so you wrote it and then you just read it out loud how, how does that no work? i uh it's like a play it's like an audio play oh. so i wrote it and it's like a, a fictional story but we had actors playing the parts and um yeah it's like a narrative it's like a uh, it's like a, an audio book but with characters like playing the parts oh whoa. yeah very creative yeah it was cool they're, yeah they're doing a lot of those um and it was like a really cool experience and weird to write because you have to write the sounds to explain what's happening. So that was a challenge yeah. as a writer. It's almost like script writing in this case. 
but different because in a script you can see you can see what's happening so how do you make it how do you right. make people understand what's going on when they can't see interesting uh-huh very cool i might check that out yeah i'll definitely check that out thanks awesome gabby well uh we'll link all your social media your website all that stuff below okay. uh for people listening on the show notes um thank you so much for coming on this is such a fun conversation yeah i learned you. a lot by the way <laughs> thank you for having me thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation if you haven't already i would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable and if it's something that a friend a family member or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today all right Ciao.